Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we bring you a very special episode in celebration of their new record dropping today, Hereafter by Vamakara. I'm so excited at how good this podcast went. Uh, to be honest, Alex and I have never actually spoken until the podcast, and I'm just very pleased at how fun I had on the podcast, how nice he was, because I'm going to be honest, I'm always really nervous when I'm talking to somebody that I don't know personally. I'm always just fearful of them not being cool or just it not vibing, but Alex does his own podcast. We talk about it on air. So he knows the vibes. So it went really well. I support Vamakara. I think they're a really hardworking band. And from 2014 till now, they've definitely proven that, put out solid releases. And I'm just really happy that Alex was willing to come on today, the day the record comes out, and just talk to me about the band and uh, about a ton of other movies. And it was just great. I, I had a really great time talking to him. And I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. But before you do, go purchase the record, go stream it on Spotify and go tweet about it, Instagram about it. Just tell all your friends. Vamakara has a new record out today hereafter on closed casket activities. Please check it out. And without further ado, welcome Alex Sawyer to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thank you for talking to me. Good timing, like you said. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was um, just kind of running through like just this like this list that I have in my head of like people that I wanted to ask to have on. And uh, to be honest, like I've never spoken to you before. I asked you to come on to the podcast, so I was like really surprised that you were willing to to come on. And you actually like were really prompt after I messaged you. Yeah, I mean, I like doing stuff like this, honestly. I like kind of talking about things I'm interested in, like especially music-wise and whatever. So I was I was really down to do it, especially when it's like based around, you know, hardcore or whatever, I guess. Okay, and so you sing for a band called Vamakara and Yeah. And on your band camp, you guys just kind of cite Southern California. Um, I'm guessing members are just kind of spread across Southern California or, or are you guys like from one area specifically? Yeah. Like, uh, Davey who plays guitar, he lives or he's from Orange County, uh, Whittier. I'm pretty sure is where he's from. Um, he doesn't live there now, but that's like where he was based for like, I would say 95% of uh, the band's lifespan. And then Xavier lives in the, the San Fernando Valley. Um, I used to live in Valencia and, uh, yeah, I live in Portland right now, but I'm actually moving back down in a few weeks, uh, back to California. And then I think I'm going to be back in Valencia. And then, uh, Gage who plays bass, he lives in LA and, uh, Josh, our drummer lives in Fontana. So yeah, we're kind of just all all spread out so instead of like being like los angeles you know it's just easier just to say southern california because we're also all over the place 
Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, how'd you end up in Portland, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was in a relationship that was long distance, and then uh, things just didn't work out. So I'm moving back. Long story short. So yeah, but honestly, it's it's for the better. Like I'm I'm going to be back with all my friends and uh, going to move back in with my family for a few months and kind of just figure out what I want to do. I kind of don't really have a plan, but uh, yeah, I just definitely miss being home. I went back for vacation for like a week and pretty much like a day or two being back. I was like, yeah, I got, I got to be back here like as soon as possible. And the day I got back to Portland, I put my notice in at my job and I was, you know, just kind of getting a plan together, but still just kind of winging it. And before you came back, was that always the plan to come back or did you just kind of have a sudden interest after visiting? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's always been like an end end game kind of thing to kind of come back there maybe like in a few years, but like I said, you know, some, uh, unfortunate shit happened, but it's life. It's not, it's not a big deal, you know? Uh, so I was just like, I got to do this now, or I feel like I'm going to keep pushing it off and I'm going to stay just miserable up here because I, I mean, I like the city, but it's definitely just not for me. I, I, I can't, I can't see myself living here much longer. I've only been to Portland once. I visited a buddy, uh, and I'm pretty sure he still lives out there, but this was back in, I think, like, 2012. I spent, like, yeah. nine days up in Portland, and uh. it, it was it was nice, but, like, I think out of the nine days that I was there, I only saw the sun once. It was pretty weird for me. Yeah, like, my first winter here, I didn't realize, like, because I visited up before, because, like I said, I was in a, a long-distance relationship, so I would come up pretty often and like like oh i love the weather like escaping the california heat for like a few days at a time but then you don't see the sun for nine months and you're like wow this is the worst thing i've ever experienced it's, it's pretty terrible and do you feel like it like affected like your mental health because i i heard like you it can actually make people depressed being up there oh yeah i mean being being up here like not to sound all boohoo but that it literally put me put me in therapy like it's probably the most depressive i've ever been in my entire life because i mean not because of the weather but you know just being away from everyone and like it's my first time like being away from my family during the holidays it was just a lot all at once and uh, i definitely don't think that the weather up here helped at all like <laughs> and uh, just like uh, i just want to ask like one last question about this um, how long were you up there um i'm Moved up here in June, so I've, like June of last year. So I've been here like a year and a half, I think. Oh wow! Okay. Well, yeah, it's crazy that you moved like, and it's kind of far if you think about it. You know. Um, yeah, it is. And uh, the fact that the band was still able to stick together, I, I think that's like really awesome. Was that something that you actually uh, had to think about when you were moving to to actually like you know put a focus on making sure that the band stays together even though you live so far away? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, it was always a big concern with everyone and I get it, you know, everyone was pretty hesitant, hesitant with like the idea of me moving up here. And, uh, I don't think they really had faith that I was going to make it work, but I kind of made it a point to like make it my first priority, priority, no matter what, um, and kind of prove it to them that I can make it work. And honestly, I feel since I moved up here, I've been more involved, um, and like more driven to do stuff with them probably more than ever in my entire uh, like time being in the band. 
um, since being up here. But I think it's also, it comes down to like using it as an excuse to see my friends and stuff like that. But yeah, it definitely, definitely moving for some reason, like really, really pushed me to want to like, you know, try to voice my ideas as much as possible. Like buy my plane tickets for shows like months in advance, like have everything planned out and uh, stay extremely on top of it just to let those guys know I wasn't trying to like blow them off or anything, but now I'll be back and it'll be a lot easier. So I'm definitely excited about that. Yeah. And it's cool that you're, you know, actually down and able to make it work because it's honestly, I think a a big deal to be able to keep the band together and um, having to live so far away because when you move and you still have like real life responsibilities, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I just want to jump back to 2014. You guys put out the demo. Was that the same year the band started? Yeah. Uh, Davey and uh, our old drummer, who is his brother, um, kind of got the band going. And um, I, I'm pretty sure they had a few songs written uh, a year. Like, I think they had those those demo songs written like a year before it actually came out. And this was before I knew them and uh, they didn't have a vocalist or anything. And they ju- were just kind of just jamming and had this idea that they kind of wanted to do like a, like a darker hardcore band, if that makes sense. Uh, more metal influenced. Um, and I met Davey uh, going to shows. I think I met him at the cobalt at a Zabalba show. I'm pretty sure is where I met him. Uh, I can't remember. And, uh, yeah, we just became friends and I was in another band that's not even like we played three shows and it wasn't, it was, it was more of a joke. It wasn't really even anything serious. And, uh, he came to one of those shows and then we just started talking and he was like, Hey, I'm doing this band. If you're interested, uh, I want to have you in it. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. And so, I uh, wrote lyrics. He sent me the demo songs. We played our first show in San Diego with World of Pain at the Che Cafe. And then we recorded the demo, I think, like a week after that. And then, yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> you bringing up the Cobalt and just like, I sometimes I forget about that venue just because, yeah. for, for me, uh, it, I would only travel out there if the show was um, really awesome because from like where I was at, it just didn't make sense for me to go there. Like a lot of the times just because most shows would be in my area. And I feel like the last show that I can remember going to the Cobalt was like some down to nothing show that they played that year. And it was like a big deal because it was like the only like West Coast down to nothing yeah, show. Yeah, it was the Christmas one. I remember yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. It was like them and terror. Uh, I forget who else played, but. Yeah, that was that was a great show. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, especially in the valley, kind of took that venue for granted because it wasn't very nice, you know. But like at one point, there was a show there every weekend. Like I remember seeing Cruel Hand, like I think like four or five times in like the time span of like six months. Um, you know, it was always like Downpress or Soul Search, like such a crazy, you know. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm only twenty three. I'm not old by any means whatsoever but uh definitely like back then i feel like shows were like happening so often that like i kind of just wanted to go to everything plus i was in valencia so it was the closest venue to me it was only 20 minutes away uh and when i started going to shows i wasn't really old enough to drive so i'd had 
a few friends out where I live that were into hardcore. They, they don't really listen to, they don't really go to shows or listen to hardcore that much anymore, but, uh, they would always take me. And then I finally started like meeting other people, older people and hanging out there. But yeah, I, I definitely miss that venue. Uh, it, it was a dump, but you know, there's so many good shows I saw there, like that down to nothing one, for example. Yeah. Do you have any idea why it closed down? I don't know. I, it might've just been like billing or maybe like they couldn't afford it. I don't, I don't even know. Honestly, I, I don't even know what it is now. I think it's like a, like a restaurant. Maybe I have, I have no idea. Okay. But yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird when you drive by um, old spots like where like it used to be a venue, and, and you're like, wow, like yeah. so many awesome shows happening there. Then it just turns into just like something like random. Yeah, for sure. That's what I think about. Um, do you remember um, or like Aladdin Junior. PBW? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, so like whenever I'm in the area, like or if, I, if I'm at the Glass House for some show, yeah. and like we pass by that venue, I'm just like, dude, like it's so insane, like how many crazy shows they had at that spot, and now yeah. it's just like, like I don't even, I can't remember the last time I heard of anything happening there. Yeah, I th- I think with that place, it kind of got the owner, the new owner for. Uh, PBW, not allowed juniors. Uh, I think he started charging like a stupid amount to book shows there. I'm pretty sure that's why they stopped. At least that's what I heard, or maybe I'm confusing it with somewhere else. But yeah, definitely. I, I mean, we we played, I think, our third or fourth show there too. I mean, that's like an extremely important spot. I met a shit ton of people at that venue as well. Uh, and I feel like that's another spot that was taken for granted, especially in that area. Because like I said, there was a show there every weekend, you know, like you would go to the cobalt show and then the next day you're like, all right, I'm going to drive an hour and go to the Aladdin show and see the same show twice in one weekend, but like have completely different openers and it'd be a completely different vibe. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a trip how like close those two different like venues were, but like the shows were like so different. Yeah. Like, Aladdin shows, I remember just always being so violent and so scary. <laughs> and uh, Cobalt shows were like, we're still, and they got pretty crazy sometimes, but I just feel like like that area like always was just insane. Especially like if Zavalba or Soul Search played. Oh my, yeah, it was like, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, earlier you mentioned you're, uh, you're only 23. How'd you find out about hardcore? Um... So when I was probably like, like maybe middle school, I mean, I listened to, I listened to a lot of punk. Um, my mom was very involved in punk and metal when she was a kid, she worked at a record store. I'm pretty sure her job was she would pick up touring bands and like drop them off at the record store to do signings. And like, she has some crazy ass stories. Like she said, she saw Metallica one time in like a hundred cap room. And the only thing they had like on stage with them was a trash bag with uh, Metallica spray painted with like silver spray paint, like crazy ass stories like that. Like uh, she drove Exodus for a while. She drove uh, uh, MOD, Chromags. Like she has so many crazy stories. And I remember this one night we were kind of hanging out by a computer. And she was like, hey, you got to listen to this band, this band, this band. And uh, one of the first bands she showed me was the Misfits. And um I've always liked horror as a kid um, before I even discovered music. Like I really liked horror movies and like their logo just kind of clicked with me, obviously, you know I mean? Especially as a kid, like 
you want that corny theatrical shit. And uh, so, yeah, I, I found punk first. I like the Misfits. I like Minor Threat. Uh, I like the Casualties a lot. And then growing up in Valencia, there was a uh, it wasn't even a venue, it was just a park that they had punk shows at and they would put up a generator and basically play until the cops came. And uh, I went to a few of those shows. And then I remember uh, one of my friends in elementary school that showed me, um, sorry, not elementary, middle school, uh, that listened to punk as well, showed me uh, Brace War. And that was actually probably the first hardcore band I ever listened to. And from there, I just kind of got into like a wormhole and just kept digging deeper and deeper and found uh throwdown was one of the first ones terror is a big one especially living in california uh and then my first hardcore show ever uh was i think it was sound of fury 2011 because i went to see uh i only went one day i made my mom drive me from santa Clarita to santa barbara and uh I think it was the violation day, the very la- the very last violation show. Whoever whoever played that day, but I didn't even know who violation was, honestly. So, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, did it take a lot of convincing to get your mom to take you down to San and Fury? Honestly, not really, because she knew, you know, like she she was down. She didn't go with me. She just dropped me off. But like, I didn't know anyone. Uh, yeah, it was it was weird, but. Um, especially being in that environment for being like my second or third hardcore show, I think, or first, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it was really weird. Cause it was, it was really overwhelming. Just, I remember like, dude, did you ever go to the center here in Santa Barbara? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you walk in and it's like this huge open room, you know, I'm like, I only saw like videos on YouTube of it. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm here, you know? And then from that point on, I just made sure I went to like every single Cobalt show I could possibly make. And then found out about bands like Running Out, uh, Downpressor. Downpressor is a big one for me. I mean, still one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah. And it was just kind of like meeting friends at shows, discovering more California bands, and then kind of just doing my homework from there. And when you went to San Fury at that point, were the friends from back home? Did they already stop listening to hardcore, or had you um, had not met them yet? No, I hadn't even met them yet. Like being in the same circle of people, I guess probably not till like 2012. It was like when we all started like consistently going to shows together. Like I think one of the very first shows we all went to as a group, like that friend group, was that. Um, if you remember that $5 New Year's Eve show that happened at the Cobalt, it was like minority unit running out, uh, stick together, played soul search down presser. It was just a fucking crazy ass lineup. It was New Year's Eve. Um, and that was like the first show we all went to together. I remember, and still like one of my favorite shows I've ever been to. And then from that point, people kind of just like got into different stuff or like stopped caring. And then, I got my own car and then it was kind of just easier for me to do my own thing. And I met other people and yeah, I just haven't, I haven't lost interest. It's kind of hard to, with so much new shit coming out constantly, you know, like my brain's like a sponge when it comes to music and it's like, all I want to do is like check new shit out. 
same here. I, I kind of can relate to your story because I feel from when I first started getting into hardcore till now, I, I feel like I have like so many different like groups of friends that have just like fallen like out and like dropped out of hardcore. Yeah. And I, I feel like every time that happened with those friends, it, it always got to a point where I feel like they just kind of had enough of hardcore and yeah, sure. they started like losing interest. But for me, I'm just like, no, like all the time, I'm just like, okay, people are, especially now with like how easy it is to share music and find new music. Yeah. You know, you just got to click on a random link that people will, you know, post on Instagram or Twitter. For, so for me, I was like, okay, it's easier now than ever. Like I'm going to try to seek out like bands that I like because in this generation in 2019, it's like way easier to put music out and there's so many more bands coming out. So it's just harder to keep up, but it's like this weird thing where I, I, I just kind of like am obsessed where I, I'm just down for like the flood of music that just is constantly coming our way. Cause like we can never get a break. You know, somebody's always posting, Oh, here's a, uh, like the hottest new demo. And you're like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. This is like really awesome. But then like a week or two later, like another band pops up from another area that has like, you know, a different style, but just as like awesome of music. So yeah, for, for sure. So for me, I just never, I just got sick of it. I was just like still in love with it. But the friends that I've had to just kind of gotten to a point where like, I don't know if they just felt like they just kind of capped out or they just didn't really actually care like in the bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I feel like people use the excuse of like, Oh, it's so hard to keep up. Like, I don't know. I think that's just kind of bullshit. Like I think people are just lazy and kind of just stop caring, which is fine, but like, don't use like, Oh, it's so hard to keep up as an excuse to like not check out new bands. Like, I mean, what, how long is the average hardcore demo? Five minutes ten, or eight minutes, you know, like you can't take eight minutes out of your time to like listen to a band. Like, even if like they have members of a band that you like, chances are you're going to like something about it. You know, like, I have a lot of people that aren't that much older than me and be like, oh, I'm just too old for this shit. It's like, dude, you're 26. Like, you're not that old. You know, like I, like I said, people want to do their own thing and not listen to hardcore anymore. That's fine. But, you know, I just feel like people are so afraid to admit that they're just not interested anymore and will go and just like reach for any excuse to say, like, this is why I don't listen to this kind of music anymore. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's just music when you break it down, you know, but it's, yeah, it's just so funny to me, like that excuse of like, it's hard to keep up because it's really not, it's easier than ever, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vamakara, that name to me has always been really interesting. I've honestly never really looked it up, but I'm kind of curious how you guys, uh, decided on that name for the band. Yeah, it's I'm probably going to get crucified for not knowing this, but I'm pretty sure like i think it's a hindu word i'm pretty sure but essentially it means like left hand path like you know the other direction going the opposite way against the grain and it sounds evil too it sounds cool and it looks cool as a logo so uh davy came up with that he's he's really like the creative i feel like like pulse behind this band for sure like he has a really good eye for merch designs and um like what i don't want to say aesthetic because saying aesthetic for a hardcore band is kind of whack but he definitely keeps things consistent that that's a better word to say it's very consistent with us and um we all can just we all kind of know that he he's got it as far as like 
the the style we're going for. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that name it fits us, and like I said, it looks cool as a logo. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it's not like a, a common word, so it definitely yeah, for will sure. like pique people's interest when they do see it. Um, what? Because and you I, also you also said it right too, and I was surprised. I was like, I wonder. I wonder how he's going to say it, but yeah, you said it the right way, which is crazy for the first time. <laughs> you know, that that's funny. Cause I was nervous too. I was like, I'm just going to go with it. If it's wrong, no, he'll yeah, correct you, me. You got it. Okay. Yeah, no, you got it. Yeah. First, right off the bat, I was like, Oh damn. I've heard like the That one's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Vamatra is my favorite. Okay. Yeah. yeah but okay. when yeah. people ask me, I just say, I just say it's, it's, it's pronounced how it's spelled, you know, like just like, Va ma car uh, yeah, and so you guys, I I remember seeing the the name like pop up on flyers, and uh, for for me, I, I was always I'm always curious because so many bands come through, and yeah. I, I'm never really sure like the band's longevity if they're actually gonna be able to keep it going and stick around because uh, to be honest, like a lot of bands can't keep it together just because there's always all these unforeseen um, circumstances or they just get yeah. over it. Um, people quit new members th- things just don't typically always work out. But you think about you guys started in 2014. Here we are the tail end of 2019. You guys are going strong. In my opinion, when do you think people actually started to notice and actually pay attention to what you guys are doing? Because I can't imagine uh, it being like super hot from the very beginning. Like, yeah, yeah. I pictured I mean, people we, like it was like a, um, people had to gradually like grow into it, especially because yeah. I feel like for, for the, your guys' style at that time, it was uh, definitely different than a lot of bands that were around from Southern California. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely like i mean not I, there's definitely bands that have worked harder than us but like we have for sure worked our ass off our asses off and we at first i know we just tried to get pretty much any show that we were offered and like we're all eternally grateful for nate and scott and sos booking for you know giving us a chance of throwing us on shows you know whenever whenever they had a show i feel like we were kind of the first persons to be at the first people to be asked which is like it was really good for getting our name out there. Like I feel like at a certain timeline, pretty much every LA or Pomona show, we would pretty much open, you know, any, anything we could, anything that would fit. And, uh, sometimes like our, our second or third show ever, we opened up for angel dust, which doesn't make any sense at all, but it was still fucking awesome to be able to do that. You know, we played a sold out program show for our third show ever. And, uh, it was definitely weird at first. And I feel like it didn't really click with people like having such a, supportive friend group really helped because they would always just kind of beat the shit out of everyone and it would always just be like our friends going crazy and then i feel like now it's ran more random not not random kids but like it's more of like people i don't know participating which is awesome and uh we played um sound and fury the first year back 2016 i think is when it was and uh we were the first band announced and i feel like from that point it kind of like i don't want to say took off but people for sure started noticing more um yeah it's just kind of been like a snowball effect from there you know just like picking up steam uh, meeting people and then 
it wasn't really until 2018 when we were kind of like, we got to tour as much as possible. Like this year we, we toured, uh, we did Japan, we did Europe, we did two U S tours, not full U S but pretty close. And, uh, a few hometown shows here and there. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but yeah, I mean, the only way to really do it is to just do it. You just have to constantly. And, uh, we definitely don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And at any point before that Santa Fury now Santa Fury announcement, do you ever kind of, do you ever lose faith that things weren't going to take off? Not really. Cause I mean, we kind of always just wanted to just at least get our music out there. Like we had some trouble with some label stuff um, before and kind of were promised a lot. And then, it fell through and then the record never saw like the light of day. And we were kind of just like almost to the point of like, not like what's the point, but it definitely sucked. Like it was really discouraging, but we still, you know, we kind of just said, fuck it. Like let's record a new promo. We did two new songs. And I feel like from that point on, uh, that promo we did in, I think it was 20, 2017 winter of 2017 winter of 2018 i'm not sure 2017 yeah um it was two songs and i feel like from that point on we really just like nailed the sound of the band and then we recorded the lp and then it was kind of like okay like we know what we're doing if that makes sense yeah no i i definitely get that and you talked about a record not seeing the light of day yeah, we had an EP called Lapse that was recorded, mixed, mastered. We had a complete uh, like layout done. I mean, I'm not going to throw the person under the bus because they definitely were interested, and in I just think that life got in the way, and they kind of bit off more than they could chew. And I'm still friends with the person; uh, they're great. Um, but yeah, it was just a bad situation, and we kind of just jumped at the first opportunity that uh, we got, and we were really excited, especially as like a newer band, you know, like, Oh shit, our music's going to be on vinyl, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just never happened. And, um, yeah, but that's like, I said, that's in the past. It's, it's not important now. Uh, there's no reason to look back on that and be upset by it because now we put out an EP today and yeah. I'm not, uh, like a collector of vinyl. So I, I never realized that laps never got pressed. Yeah, it never did. <laughs> it just it just didn't happen. But and oh well. Just curious, did you guys re- record that with Taylor Young? Can you hear me? Yeah, cool. dude. I'm so sorry about that. No, it's, it's all good, dude. Yeah, don't worry about it. Honestly, that's never happened before. I, I was like sitting yeah. here and I, I asked you a question. I don't even know if you heard it, and I just heard silence. And I'm like, uh, I'm like sitting around, and then I'm like, oh shit, my internet went yeah. out, and I'm like freaking out. Um. But okay, yeah, it's all good. I, I, yeah, it, it's happened to me before. I do like a podcast over Skype also, and it's happened to me a few times. Okay, cool. I, I, I eventually want to ask you about that, but um, yeah. okay, <laughs> let's jump back into it. Um, I was asking you, uh, Laps, uh, was that recorded by Taylor Young? Yeah, everything but the demo, Taylor's done. Um, yeah, that was recorded at the pit. Uh, Okay. Shout yeah, out. we did our promo there too, and the LP and the EP. 
dude, he's put out so many good records out of the, the pit. So I, I, I think it's awesome that you guys have kind of stuck with him through like from uh, laps till now. Yeah. I mean, especially with him, like he's, he's, he's seriously like the best person to record with. I mean, we've only recorded with one other person, but uh, he will tell you if something sucks. Like he's very straightforward he won't be like, Oh yeah, that sounds really good. And, uh, which I appreciate. I'd rather have someone be straightforward with me than pass aggressive or beat around the bush about some shit or like just be there just to get paid. Um, like I've definitely done vocal tracks like four or five times over and, uh, he will just tell me that it doesn't sound good and I appreciate it, but yeah, he, he's, he's the best to work with. Yeah, and I, I think it's awesome too because he's a talented musician himself. So he definitely has some good perspective on that kind of music. Yeah, for sure. And uh, since you guys um, keep going back there, do you guys feel like uh, working with him has helped you guys grow as, uh, I guess, artists? I mean, it definitely motivates us, you know, because we want to bring something different each time we go in there and want to make sure that we're ready and, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like he he was definitely more hands-on he's ever been, I think, with this record. And he seems really stoked on it. I, I'm not going to speak for him, you know, like, but uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I know the rest of the band's proud of it. And it's definitely the, the craziest sounding thing he's done for us as well. So, yeah. Okay. And from the demo till now, it seems like you guys were on like a biannual schedule with releasing new music. But today with Hereafter, it's on like, uh, it was like on a year cycle since Despondent. Was there a reason you guys chose to come back so fast with new music? We just, we recorded the LP and it, it kind of felt like we were creatively drained, if that makes sense. At least, at least for me. I feel like I was, and uh, we just really wanted to do something different. And I feel like they, Xavier and Davey, pushed themselves big time with this writing process, and they really put 125% into these new songs. And it shows, honestly, like it's the it's probably the most proud I've ever been of anything in my entire life. Uh, not even just music, just in general. And um, yeah, I, I think that they were just super motivated to get something else done and had these ideas in their head and kind of just didn't want to get stuck. You know, I feel like bands will put on an LP and kind of just play those songs for years and years and years and years, you know, especially in hardcore. And then eventually they'll be like, well, I guess it's time to release something new, but those guys have a crazy writing process and especially together, it works really well. So I just think they wanted to bring something new to the table rather than wait, you know, be like, uh, well, once we get tired of these songs, we'll, uh, we'll put something else out. I feel like I'm torn sometimes because I I feel like some bands should let certain records have a lifespan and give time for like the fans to bond with it and actually give it time to, I guess, like grow to be, a classic instead of turning out a new record so fast because then I, I feel kind of rushed. I'm like, oh shit, like I gotta 
get on with the new stuff. But then there's also times where I'm like, dude, the um, last record and the new record are still amazing. So like, I, I never know what the right move is. So uh, I, I just, I, I'm always torn because I'm, I'm always curious, like, oh crap, did they come out with it too soon? Or um, are they doing it right by letting the last record have a longer lifespan? And do you guys ever think about things like that? Um, I don't think necessarily to that point, but uh, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like uh, bands will kind of release a lot of material um, in a short time span. It kind of keeps, it doesn't really keep things interesting. You know, that makes sense. Like you don't really have much to look forward to, but I feel like also at the same time, it's kind of the power move to just put stuff that you want out and just say like, fuck it and like drop it pretty much like a bomb, you know, like without being like, expect new music next year you can just be like oh record's done comes out this time here you go uh i i think that's the power move honestly but yeah i I mean speaking for myself no not i think the pattern that we're following right now is kind of ideal and um yeah like i said I'm, i'm happy with the outcome of the the time span that we waited and what the final product product was yeah like I thought you guys were going to stick to the biannual schedule, which was cool. But then when you guys announced that you're coming out with a new record I was like, okay, like I'm not upset that there's a new record coming out. I'm always down for new music. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you guys did a really good job with the new record that Thank comes you. out today. Um, yep, officially. And like, I, I think right now, cause I've honestly, since it's come out, I've listened to it uh, three times front to back. Nice. And, Thank you. And I think right now my favorite track is um, I'm assuming uh, VOL Victim of Life. Is that what it stands for? Yeah, we we uh, re-recorded that one from Lapse, kind of made it just a little bit faster and then added some new vocal parts to it as well, just kind of to give it a new life and bring it back to people's minds. And that's the only song we really play off Lapse anyways. So uh, it kind of helps to have it sound consistent with the rest of the sound that's on the record. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a great choice because w- when I heard it, I was like, okay, th- this like I, I could tell you guys tweaked it, and over yeah. like overall, I, I, and I, I'm glad that you kind of talked about it. I, I feel like this record sounds a little darker than Despondent, which yeah, is, for sure, which is crazy because I feel like um, from the beginning till now, like you guys have just been like an like like kind of like a darker I, I say heavy but not like beat down heavy if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah so I so the, um, the, the fact that you could um, put out hereafter and actually have it sound darker than the other stuff I, I think is like pretty insane yeah and then I think it's also funny that we have a song on there like the interlude song which is the complete opposite of what the entire record sounds like but it still works if that makes sense like it's a good transition uh which is like a, another like, you know, step in a different direction that we wanted to go and just kind of like, Oh, we'll see how this works. You know, like a compl- it's just like clean guitars and like crazy pedals and shit like that. And there's no vocals. I mean, it's an interlude, but it's definitely not a hardcore song, you know? Yeah. And I was curious about the placement because I feel like sometimes people like to put like interludes like that, like in the middle of a record to just kind of yeah. um, break things up. But you guys put it, um, it was like the second to last track. Yeah. Was there a reason um, you guys put it towards the end of the record and not like right in the middle? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like I, I could be, I could be wrong, but not to my 
knowledge. I, I think that's just the way they kind of wanted it to flow. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, and I I don't think it's a bad position. I, I'm always just curious because I, I feel like I always like overanalyze things that probably don't even matter. But I always just had to ask. For me, just being weird and wanting to know everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you guys uh, put out a music video for uh, Deliverance. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was shot well. I, I was surprised at like how good the quality was. Um, just because w- w- when you think about like hardcore bands, like people don't really do music videos anymore. Like it's not as common as you would think. Um, yeah. And and I, I call it music video, but I, like I, I feel like the more recent trend, people are calling it like visuals to the songs. I, um, For sure. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say music video and disrespect um, the visual, yeah. um, but I, I think it's really awesome. And why did you guys decide to go with Deliverance for the music video? Um, I definitely feel like Deliverance is like the hardest hitting track, like uh, lyrically, especially like it's a it's a heavier subject matter and um, it has more beef to it as far as like I feel like that's the one that people can participate to the most and i feel like that's going to be the crowd pleaser honestly for the record and uh it just it just kind of made sense especially with um davy having such a strong part in the song as well and we kind of just wanted to keep it super bare bones and like nothing crazy that's why it's almost just like watching us practice you know instead of just having like a black and white video of people moshing at one of your shows mixed with like kind of horror movie images and like you know it's it's no disrespect to anyone that does that it's just like it's all kind of burnt out and uh, we just wanted to keep it super simple not really think too much of it but yeah i think deliverance was a good choice for the music video for sure yeah and sometimes i i feel like just like the way you guys shot it just the band playing i i feel like that just goes a long way because people are just able to focus on you guys and the music yeah. and you guys aren't trying to like you know uh, uh like sell us on some other like you know uh unnecessary visuals it's just like straight to the point just the band the music here you go like enjoy it yeah and uh, yeah it's simple where was that shot? Because it just looked like some warehouse. And I'm always curious because there's like it's, some like side angles where you can kind of see like other stuff in the background. And I'm always just like yeah. curious, like like where did that like take place? Yeah, it was, it was literally just a warehouse in downtown LA uh, that Davey found, or no, uh, Kiabad who filmed it uh, found. He also did the the album artwork as well, and he's always been a really good friend of ours, and he's personally my favorite photographer. You know, out of anyone that shoots modern at least hardcore shows and like his work even goes beyond that like he does he takes pictures of you know scenic stuff like he does portraits stuff like that and i just have always loved the way his stuff looks and he's honestly supported this band since day one and we were just trying to find ways that we can have him as hands-on as possible and he is just extremely interested and just wants to be a part of it which is great and it also helps that he's a friend too and i'm pretty sure it was his first music video and he fucking killed it like it looks amazing yeah but. like i said like earlier like i for me like the video quality it was just like really crisp and clean i, I just like yeah. how i could just like see everything and it just like you know it, it was as if i was there watching you guys play if that makes sense yeah i think that was kind of the point is what, like, what everyone wanted so i'm glad 
Yeah, it definitely translated well. Um, you mentioned the cover art for the record. Um, can you talk about um, who's in the photo and why you guys chose that style? Uh, we wanted something different and like the original plan. Well, on the actual vinyl, there's no logo. Uh, it doesn't say anything, but for streaming s- services, we did put the, the logo on there just so people know what they're listening to. You know, like if you're, go- if you're going to buy the record, you know what you're getting. Like we're not a band where you're just going to buy it off of, Oh, this looks cool. So I'll buy it. But it's like, you know, you're going to buy the bomb car record, you know, that Marvel is, but with streaming services, like a lot of stuff gets put on the shuffle or whatever. Like you want to know what you're listening to. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just wanted to keep it really simple and kind of dreamy looking. And I think the goal was to make it look the exact opposite of how it sounds, if that makes sense. And, uh, the person on the, on the record is, uh, Kibad's girlfriend. And he took those pictures. I don't know where he took them, but they're fucking amazing. And pretty much right away, we were just like, yep, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, yeah, because compared to all the other um, cover arts for the other, like from the demo, the EP, the LP, those are all like dark and like yeah. very fitting for the band. And if I was looking at the cover art for Hereafter and just judging off of that artwork, I would not put that to your guys' sound. So I think you guys definitely nailed it on doing the opposite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's the exact thing we're, we're going for. Just something different, you know? Yeah. And it, it's definitely um, interesting because, because uh, it, it's kind of mysterious with like no logo on it, just like straight artwork for the vinyl. So yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty cool. And I was always curious, do you guys pick the color of the vinyl when you guys um, do the sales? Like beforehand, did you decide on like the splatter or the clear? We we got like sent like a list of colors to pick from and we all just collectively agreed on what we wanted. And we all pretty much had the, the same same choices and it was easy. So, yeah. Okay, And uh Right now, if I'm not mistaken, um, is there a record release show uh, announced? Yeah, yeah, we're doing um, three shows. We're bringing Dilate out from the East Coast. They're kind of all spread out, spread out. Like mm-hmm. um, some of them are Connecticut, some of them are Massachusetts. Um, they're coming out. We did a tour with them and Chamber, and uh, we've been friends with those people in that band for for a minute. And uh, they've never played the West Coast, and. Um, so we thought it was a good idea to have them out with us. So they're coming out. They're playing all three of the shows that we're doing. Uh, November 15th is Vegas uh, at the American Legion 8 with Suffer the Loss, Section Hate, World Tension, and Close Combat, I think, is Vegas. And then uh, San Pedro is the next day uh, at Machine Studio with Mind Force Regulate, Dead Heat, Human Garbage. And then, uh, yeah, Dilates on, on all the shows, too. So I'm, I already said that, so I'm not mentioning them. And then we play the Bay in San Jose with a uh, Gulch hands of God and a uh, lead dream. So that would be cool. Yeah. And so the machine studio, that's the official record release show. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, you know, in quotes, LA show, you mm-hmm. know? Okay. Uh, that would be a good one, especially with mind force regulating dead heat. That, that show is insane. And then human garbage as well. Like that, like if you like hardcore music, and you live in the LA area, even if you don't like 
Mama Carl. Like there is literally something for everyone at that show. Like every sort of style. So you pretty much have no excuse to to miss that one. And and this is just me being um, biased about Orange County. There's no Orange County date. I, I noticed you guys decide to go up north and instead of more south because because uh, I know the the next date um, that uh, Mind Force hits the Constellation Room, but you guys are going yeah up north. Was there? Uh, did you guys ever have any talks about um, getting on that show with them? No, we we I mean the Bay is like one of the best places we have reactions and it's incredible every single time we like, we've never played a bad Bay show and uh, we wanted to make that the last one. Cause originally I was going to go back up to Portland from there, but I'm actually moving back two days after the record release show. So it's kind of pointless now, but that it was, I think it was kind of based around making it easier for me to get back up kind of thing. Cause I'm just going to fly out after. Okay. Um, but now it doesn't really matter. So, but yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely, be back in orange county next year but yeah that was just it was just kind of the the idea and, and uh the dead heat mind force show kind of just worked out because it was the same day as our as when we wanted to do our record release so we just kind of combined them you know because yeah. they're, they're they're doing their own tour it, it just kind of worked out perfectly and I'm stoked that you guys are playing in Vegas because I have a lot of friends that um, have a hand in putting on those shows out in Vegas. And yeah, like back in like the early 2000s, I, I used to frequent Vegas a lot more than I do now. I feel like yeah. it's because I had like less responsibilities so I could just like pick up and go sure. way more easier than I can now. But I'm definitely stoked to see th- that scene kind of um, get revitalized and them get awesome bands like you guys, Section Hate, to play out there, Dilate, and the local yeah. bands, World Tension, Close Combat, awesome dudes also, except for the loss. Yeah, so, great bands, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I think it's really cool that you guys are able to go out there for for that date just because i feel like they don't get a lot of shine which is so weird to me because they're so close to us you know it's not that far like if you think about it like four hours three and a half hours um and they definitely got something special going on over there and i just um and i hope you know things are catching on and like people are actually starting to realize that there are good bands from las vegas they're just uh you know just not as like well known right now for sure. And like everything that Dustin does and black path out there, like they care so much and like they take such good care of us every single time we go out there and each time we play, it gets, I mean, it's pretty much anywhere you go. Like, you know, you play there more than once and it obviously gets better and better, but it's like significantly better each time we go. And like everyone out there is so nice and they, they just care so much and like they take so much pride in what they have. And it is small, but like I said, it, I keep repeating myself and talking in circles, but they, they just care a lot. And like, that's like what's so important to them. And like, they make sure to like put on for out of state bands. And like, so people know they want to come back. Like, you know, like bands know like, Oh, we need to hit Vegas again. And if you're in a band and you haven't played Vegas in a long time, play there and you won't be disappointed. Hell Yeah. So you guys are signed to closed casket activities, which is, I think, a great signing. Um, Can you talk about um, how you guys got in contact with the label and how that signing happened? Yeah. uh, Basically, Davey and Xavier have been in contact with Justin for a while. He's he's kind of the they're kind of the main main source of communication. And uh, 
Taylor sent him our EP when it was done and was like, Hey, these guys are interested. Um, let me know what you think pretty much. So Taylor for sure helped and pushed it a lot. And then uh, he got in contact with us and said, Hey, I have a lot going on. Uh, if you guys are interested, this is what I can offer you. And I want to get this out. And so we're like, yeah, we're down. And then we toured a little bit and then we did the chamber. Uh, I think it was on the chamber. Yeah, it was chamber us and dilate and uh, our first headliner and we played Troy and then we uh, went to Justin's house and met up with him and stayed with him and just kind of talked about everything and like actually finalized everything and got a date when we were going to announce. And from there we've, you know, just kept the ball rolling and it's just crazy now to see like the records done and like people are getting their pre-orders shipped to them and just seeing that music on vinyl and, especially like Justin runs all that stuff himself and he puts so much effort and care into everything he does. It makes it a million times better. Just knowing that your record isn't in the hands of someone who just is trying to make money off of it. Like, uh, I'm not trying to speak for him either, but I feel like he just puts out stuff he likes and it feels good that he cares. You know, it's not just some dick with like a lot of money just trying to like cash in on whatever's popular. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, th- that's exactly how I do this podcast. I try to uh, curate like a nice guess of people who I'm like legit, like a fan of. I yeah. feel like, um, doing that just for me, I, I can put out something honest. And, um, for me, I feel like it'd be, it'd be a little more interesting because, um, I'm going to be honest. There has been times where like certain people have been offered to me and I kind of just had to turn it down because I, I didn't feel like I'd be, I was being honest with myself cause I don't want to have somebody yeah. on and then kind of like blow smoke up their ass and try to create sure. an interesting conversation. Um, I, I feel like people would be able to see right through that because the way I speak on here is how I talk in real life. I don't like have like, uh, like a character that I get into when I do this podcast, I just legit like talk to people just normal. Yeah. It's the easiest way to do it. You know, just be natural. Okay. And I'm, uh, just really, uh, like the, um, or really like your guys' Instagram. Cause it's kind of like, and, and I'm trying to find a better word, but the, the word that comes to mind is like, it's kind of artsy just cause you guys kind of take advantage yeah. of the, um, the grid. And, uh, yeah. I think it's cool because going there, like, you know, visually it's just not your typical Instagram. It's not just like random photos. It's actually like a, it's just kind of feels like an art piece. Yeah. That's like I said earlier, like I hate using the word aesthetic, but Davey for sure knows what he's doing. That's all him. He, he nails it. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he's got a great eye for this shit. And the way he, he like lines up everything is just, yeah, it definitely fits like what we're trying to do and what we're trying to go for. And yeah, I, I, I can't even, I don't even think I could do this if I was taught how to do it. Honestly, I'd find some way to fuck it up. Okay. And now I just want to kind of go a, a little off topic, just like things that I've always like have been curious about the band. Yeah. Uh, you guys did a throwdown cover and somehow uh, Keith Bar- Barney was there and <laughs> par- participated in the yeah. cover. Can you talk about how yeah, that yeah. came together? Was it planned or did it just like randomly happen? Well, uh, you know, Fern, right? Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So Fern, t- we, we covered that song on a tour like a few years ago. And, uh, Fern, we, we got that offer to play the 18 vision show and Keith 
Keith plays at 18 visions and Fern tweeted, like, I think like even as a joke was just like, Oh, imagine if Von Carl covered, uh, throw down and Keith is there. And like, we haven't done the cover in like a few years where like, haha, like kind of just like laughed it off. And then he DM me and was like, Hey, I can ask him if you guys want to do this. And I was like, all right, let's go. And then, uh, yeah, I guess he asked him because he knows him. And then, um, oh wait, no, it wasn't Fern. It was, uh, it was Cameron from, uh, seizures that DM me about it. But Fern tweeted that and Cameron from seizures DM me and was like, I can ask him. And he asked him and he was down. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I fucked up that story. Fern's tweet. Cameron reached out. Uh, and yeah. And then I guess he said he was down and then we got there. We got to the venue like three hours early for a sound check and Keith was there. I was like, we want to practice a song. He's like, let's go. And it like, it was so crazy and so weird to do. And then, yeah, and we just did it and it worked. Yeah. Which is insane because throwdown is the reason why I even found out what straight edge is like even not even minor threat. Like that didn't process in my head when I was, when I listened to minor threat when I was younger, it was throwdown was like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is what I am. And then like, um, being able to do that with him was just like, I, it still doesn't even feel real as corny as that sounds like he's just a guy. Like, he's not a celebrity or anything, but that band is so important to me. And like, just like being like, I felt like I was like 14 years old, you know, it was crazy. It was just crazy. To me. Like if you told me that when I was first getting into hardcore that I was going to do that, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like there's no way. But yeah, it, that was, that was crazy. Yeah, it was definitely awesome. I wasn't at that show, but yeah. people like, you know, start circling the video and I, I watched it. I'm like, holy shit, this is so insane. And I, I thought it was cool that, that he was willing to do that because um, yeah. uh, for me, Throwdown is like a really important band. And yeah. to, just to see something like Absolutely. that happen, because um, and surprisingly, I, I don't I, I actually feel like there's not enough bands covering Throwdown, um, especially yeah. like for like, like, you know, like how awesome their catalog is. So the fact that you guys did that yeah. and Keith was willing to participate. It was just like such a cool thing for me. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like like older people were like, wait, what the hell is going on? Like people that didn't know, know who we were, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, it was cool. Okay. Hell yeah. Very surreal. That's awesome. And, uh, we're at the tail end of 2019. You guys have that, uh, screen shows coming up. Are you guys yes. already looking ahead to next year? Are you guys going to go hard or are you guys still trying to plan yeah. out your 2020? We're going pretty crazy next year. I can't say anything about it at all, but uh, just because, you know, nothing's like not necessarily, not necessarily like set in stone yet, but I think some things are still being figured out, but um, I can say that we are playing literally everywhere uh, in the U S at least. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be extremely busy next year. That's for sure. And early next year, not, we're not waiting. So we're just kind of using this to like cool down a little bit and like, you know, hometown shows here and there I'm moving back, uh, kind of ride out, let the record pick up some steam and then just tour nonstop off of it. And that's kind of the plan. Okay. And, um, are you vegan or vegetarian? I am vegan. I'm vegan. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. I was, I was going to ask you because um, when I went to Portland, I was like obsessed with like this uh, chicken wing place. Uh, and I always set the ass the mountain. Dude, there you go. You already yeah, know. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they just have this sauce that I can't get over. Um, I'm not even sure if they still have it anymore because it's been so long since I've been there. But it, uh-huh. they, they had a it was a buffalo lime cilantro sauce. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That place yeah. rocks. Okay. Yeah, and they, they have tater tots, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, Portland does tater tots a lot. Like at a lot of places, okay. like vegan restaurants, especially like there's like crazy, crazy like cheese covered whatever like tater tots. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so when I was in Portland, uh, I, there weren't any like hardcore shows going on. Um, but uh-huh. my buddy's roommate, she dragged me to a ska show at this venue and I'm not even sure it's still around. So that's why I'm asking. It was, it was this venue uh-huh. called the Branks. It was like in some like industrial area. Uh, I don't know. I've never been there. Okay. There's a uh, Blackwater up here, which is like a vegan bar. Mm-hmm. We've played there a couple times and that's where most uh, hardcore shows happen up here is at Blackwater. Um, and they also have like a record store they used to do, um, shows at, and they're also like a full, fully operating like record label as well. Like put out like punk crust metal bands out of that also. And then there's, uh, that's really the big one. And there's the watershed, which is kind of like a newer one by, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of further out from Portland, but like Marauders playing there on Monday. Um, typecast just played there. So shows come through like those two places the most, but yeah, I've never been to that place. Okay. Yeah. And this, I'm telling you, this is like back in 2012. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah maybe it's, it's like defunct now. Who knows? Yeah. Huh. That was way before I, I started coming up here. Okay. Interesting. Um, earlier you mentioned that you do a podcast. Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, I kind, kind of do. Uh, we, it's kind of hard because it is over Skype and like it's three of us. It's, uh, me, Anthony from dead heat. And then, uh, Dom who sings in true love. Uh, it's a horror podcast. It's called uh, flash of the blade. And I, I kind of mentioned earlier that I like horror movies a lot. It's, it's a really big part of, you know, my interest. And I watch a lot of movies. I go to a lot of like repertory screenings and movies on film, stuff like that out here, even in LA. And, uh, Anthony and I have been friends for a long time and kind of just like always have been talking about like, Oh, we should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. And we got really consistent with it. And then, uh, we kind of just stopped doing it because we are on opposite touring schedules and job schedules. But now that I'm moving back, it's going to be a lot easier. And I feel like the vibe will be way better being in person as well. So yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this, that likes, the podcast that I do, we're definitely going to try to make it way, way, way more consistent now that I'm going to be back in California. And like, I love doing it. It's just, the timing is so hard because we'll like dissect an entire movie, talk about what we've watched for the week. And it takes like four hours total. So yeah, you guys do like a, do a, a real deep dive. Yeah, we do. We, we try to dissect it as much as we can. And like, trying to schedule around three people to all sit together on their phones for four hours straight. Just talking about horror movies is very hard. You know, I'm like, we get all, we get off topic a lot and joke around, which is good. Like that's kind of the dynamic we want, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just hard to do honestly, but I feel like as soon as I get back, we're going to make it a habit to do it at least once a week. But yeah. 
Oh yeah. I, I feel like that's like the, like one of the hardest things about doing this is like staying consistent just because, yeah. um, you know, like as fun as doing the podcast is, it, it does take yeah. a little like effort to get things yeah, to, all sure. together. It's like you work all day. It's like the last thing you want to do is like, Oh fuck. I gotta like talk about a fucking shitty slasher movie from the eighties for two and a half hours, you know? And like, I, I work in a movie theater now. So like my, literally my entire life is, movies so damn so you're like really into it yeah i do i do uh programming and scheduling and some marketing stuff for a uh, independent movie theater in portland and i do all their tech work as well so like i run all their servers uh make sure like project projectors are working since it's all digital um i book independent films for us to show so i'm, I'm very like behind the scenes hands-on and then I have to approve content a lot too and like watch a lot of movies to make sure that we want to show them. So by the end of the day, like I get home, my brain is just like fried. And so it makes it hard to want to talk about movies after talking and thinking about movies all day, you know? Yeah. I definitely understand how that is. Um, I, well, I, I think it's actually really cool that, that you're like so involved, like when, when it comes yeah. to, to movies and so growing up is that or like how'd you get into that because i you, you talked about how you liked horror movies like you know early on but like, yeah how'd you get into or how'd you get so involved in like you know i guess the, the industry yeah honestly like moving out of porn the, the biggest thing i'm torn about is like leaving my job because i love my job it never really feels like i'm going to work if that makes sense like i mean there's obviously like struggles and frustrations i have with it but I really do like my job being so hands-on, but, uh, when I was younger, long story short, I used to get these reports in school and they went off like a, like, Oh, if you did all your homework, you get an A. And if you behaved well, you did an A. And if I got two A's sent home from school with that from my teacher signed approved, my dad would let me rent whatever I wanted from Blockbuster. That was like our, our agreement. Like he's like, I don't care. Just, whatever you want. So I had that motivation to like do that. And Blockbuster used to do those things on Friday where it was, where it was like five for five Fridays. You'd rent five movies for $5 for five days. And so, you know, I mean, M Monday came, that was like my main motivation was to like get all my homework done, behave. just so I could go to Blockbuster to rent all this shit. I should not be watching. And I remember the first time I did it, I got uh, evil dead Child's Play 3, Creep Show, and those are the only three I can remember, and I remember from there, it was just like downhill. And I've been collecting since I was in fifth grade, and I still have everything I've ever owned, pretty much. It's a stupid, dumb habit to be into, but I love it. And I try I try not to use like liking horror movies as a personality trait, because I feel like a lot of people do, but it's kind of hard, because it's what I like talking about, and what I'm passionate about. I mean, aside from music, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And you talk about how you basically still have everything that you ever owned. Do you like across? Cause I assuming from when you're younger to now, like yeah. you know, VHS DVD, there's the yeah. HD DVD. Now we're on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. uh, did you ever have to like, upgrade to the newer formats or do you just keep the the original formats that you had and never rebought yeah you keep everything i have like 
um, I have a lot of VHS. I have a lot of DVDs. I have a lot, I probably more DVDs than anything. Um, I have a, a lot of Blu-rays as well, but yeah, like I remember like when blockbusters and Hollywood video started going out of business, um, I got a lot of shit that way. Cause DVDs are like four for a dollar and I'd be like, okay, horror, fill up my basket as much as I can. And, uh, VHS too. Like when, when it was done and DVDs started making their way back, like I remember, uh, my dad and I went to Fry's Electronics and we bought a DVD player when it like first came out. And uh, the first DVD we bought was Terminator 2. And I remember just like seeing all the VHSs like being like 50 cents, like marked down from like 39.99, which is insane to think about now. But uh, yeah, just finding movies that way. I'm like, um, yeah, I have a hard time getting rid of stuff, especially movies. I'm like I'll have like, 10 copies of army of darkness like oh vhs dvd blu-ray and then they come out with the collector's edition i'm like well i need that too and uh yeah, it's a dumb expensive habit i wish i didn't have but whatever i don't care <laughs> and with the vhs are you like more careful now because uh the the tape uh, it does like wear after a while if you yeah. play it too many times right yeah, like I had a copy. Um, my favorite movie of all time is American Werewolf in London, and um, like just movies in general. Okay. Not even horror. And I remember I had uh, I had my copy from when I was a kid, and uh, I don't remember who told me it was my grandma or my mom, but she said that I would watch that movie, and it would end, and I would stop it, rewind it, and just watch it like like over and over and over again, and it got to the point where yeah, like I watched it so much the actual tape like ripped on the inside. Um, and yeah, it's definitely something you have to be careful as, especially if you're like, I'm, I'm not really like, a, like, Oh, it doesn't have to be in 10 out of 10 condition. Like if it's a movie I like, I'll buy it. If I don't have it on VHS, I don't care if it's not perfect, but yeah, you definitely have to be more careful with those. Um, especially now because they, because they mold also, which is crazy. Like the tapes will actually get moisture inside and like it'll mold and it won't play and it'll actually fuck up your VHS player. If you don't take care of it. That's crazy. I've never heard of VHS's actually molding. That's like something new to me. Yeah, it happens, especially older tapes that are like in storage units, you know, mm-hmm. like with weather changes and it, it just happens naturally. But yeah, it's it's weird. Okay. And uh, do you dabble with like uh, digital? Because for me, I, I'm like really into video games and yeah. like all the movies that I have, like like it's all digital for me. Like I don't want anything physical. I don't want to touch anything. I just want to yeah, yeah. like just keep it super simple and just like all like on a server somewhere. Yeah, I definitely always have gravitated towards physical media more. Okay. Um, I do have a good, pretty good digital collection because like if stuff goes on sale, for like super cheap, I'll just take advantage of it, you know, and, and, and buy it. But I always physical first for me, always like records, uh, movies, anything like I, I, I love being a physical collector and supporting physical media. I, I think it's important. And I think that like, I, I don't have anything against digital. I just think that, um, it's something that shouldn't die. I don't necessarily think it ever will, but, um, definitely something I will continue to support forever it's just it's just always like i love just like opening up packaging and seeing like you know different covers or different versions of it and it's just the way my brain works i guess it's it's dumb and i probably waste way too much money probably would save a lot of money if i stuck to digital but 
oh well honestly i get where you're, where you're coming from because that's how i am with my comic books for some yeah uh, well I, I understand why i don't because i my friends and i go to conventions so i like to yeah. meet my favorite writers and artists for and sure. have them sign the stuff that they create for me that that's just a cool experience so that's like the one thing that i haven't let go on like i'll i'm always at the comic shop every wednesday buying my books like physical form and i do have some stuff digital like like a lot of like older stuff that um is easier for me to read that way but like for like a lot of the modern stuff i just love having the physical copies of it yeah for sure i mean yeah i mean i i i collected comics a lot when i was younger um i don't really do it anymore like i have all the stuff i like or like i'm not i'm not like a huge comic fan but especially with that stuff like i have friends that read them digitally and it's like I don't understand how you could do that. I don't know. I just, I just can't like, like opening up a nineties comic and like the way it smells, like it sounds corny, but do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, I definitely get it. Yeah. And just like, even like stuff from the nineties, like they use different paper back then compared to now. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, especially like, like all the ads that are like in nineties comics are so cool. Like, yeah, it's, it's so yeah, trippy like, to think about like how far like we've come like from like seeing yeah. like all the like old advertisements to now. Yeah, I'm I'm so behind on comics and haven't read anything good. Like I think the last like thing that like really blew me away that I read was the the Tom King Vision. Did you read that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think Tom so King's a, he he's a great writer. He, didn't he, he did a Batman book as well, right? Uh, yeah, he's actually um uh, his uh, hand in it's coming to an end, uh, and like okay. a, lot, a lot of people don't really like how he's treated the series. So um, yeah, they're actually yeah. having like a new writer take over. I gotta, I gotta check out whatever is like the best of that because I, I, I love his vision. I, I read, uh, I read some of the Mr. Miracle stuff too, right? He did that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not like super like current with comics. It, that is something that's hard to catch up on and expensive, but, uh, yeah, that, that is something that I, I was recommended to by a friend that's really in the, in the comics. He's like, you got to read this and it honestly blew me away. Like I go back to that like once every six months and like I've read it dozens of times and it still is just an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. Then that that's awesome. Cause like you're not too far off cause it's like a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. 2015 or something like that. 2016. Yeah. When they came out. yeah. And he hasn't done too much um, since those books either. Cause he's been on just Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I love Batman too. Like, I mean, some of the most interesting like stories I feel like are, like classic Batman um, books like you know Long Halloween all those Hush all great shit yeah and it's uh, it, it was interesting too because I'm just like am I being a sucker coming back every week and reading these characters I've been reading yeah. for years but somehow they still like, um, you know I managed to make it entertaining so it's always fun for me I mean it goes the same way with movies though it's like how many times are they going to show those damn pearls dropping in an alleyway you know <laughs> like, but like everyone's going to go back to see the Batman movie like even in the fucking Joker did you see Joker? Yeah I was actually just about to ask you about that yeah like yeah like, of, like I was watching I was like okay of course they have the, the pearls dropping yeah. but, uh, but like you're still going to go you're still going to go see it like regardless same yeah. thing I mean it goes with horror too like how many times is Jason going to come back from the dead and slaughter an entire camp like you just want to go back to what you're familiar with regardless of the same story being told a million times can i ask you your opinion on rob zombie uh movies yeah um 
I'm not the biggest fan. I hate his Halloween movies. Um, I I think Devil's Rejects is a perfect movie. I think it is amazing from start to finish. It's gross. I mean, it makes you feel like like you have to take a shower after. Um, House of the Cor- House of a Thousand Corpses is a little too corny for me. Um, I definitely like that he tried pushing the boundaries, like the whole story behind that. I won't get into it, but basically, like he. Universal was supposed to put it out and they saw it and were like, this is too fucked up. We're not doing it and pulled the plug on it. And it didn't see the light of day for like five, five years. Like it was, it was done like final for five years. And then, uh, Lionsgate put it out. And then now it's funny. Uh, house of a thousand corpses has been like a haunted attraction, like returning back to universal over and over again for like the last like six years, how it just comes full circle like that. But anyways, uh, yeah, House is a little iffy for me. I I do not like Lords of Salem. I do not like Thirty One. Um, he I respect him as a director because he doesn't care what critics anyone says. He has this very like specific style and aesthetic that he sticks to, which I like as a director. But it's just not for me. Um, I think the Halloween movies are abysmal. I hate those movies, but that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people like them, but his new metal vibe is very clear in his movies and that's kind of where it it uh it kind of loses my interest you know okay and so i'm not like you know super knowledgeable about horror but yeah, yeah. For, for some weird reason um and i i don't know where i got this idea from but i just thought people like loved his work and i thought he was always like praised but when i kind of like started looking into it like yeah I, I don't know any of my friends that are super into horror that actually like him as a director and yeah, then yeah. I, I just started to um see it like more so i'm just like okay i guess i just made up this thing in my mind where I thought people actually um, like, you know, held him to a higher standard. And so I'm, I'm always curious to ask. Like, yeah. I feel like Rob Zombie is kind of like the person that people are like, it's like the, it's like the Beatles of edgier movies. If that makes sense. Like I like fucked up and twisted things. It's like, Oh yeah. Well I like Rob Zombie movies. I, I don't know. I feel like it's always like the, like the diet grindhouse movie. If that makes sense. It's just so accessible, mm-hmm. but people think that it's like, Oh, when I watch his movies, it feels like I I'm watching something I shouldn't. And like, there's way worse shit out there, and I I just feel like people feel like they're doing something edgy by watching. I mean, horror fans are are extremely corny, and like I said, I try not to use it as a personality trait. But uh, yeah, I don't know why people love his movies so much. Like, like he's a good director. It's just it's just not my thing. Okay, I'm gonna tell you two of my favorite like quote-unquote horror movies and i um want to ask you if you can make a recommendation on something that i've never seen oh yeah i got you i got you okay so um two top ones for me are scream and the conjuring okay yeah yeah uh so if you like scream uh can you do 80s movies like are is there you opposed to watching an older movie yeah no i'm down i'm open to watching anything Uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't promote this, but whatever, I'll, I'll say it anyways. It's on YouTube for free. Uh, it's a movie called uh, Maniac, 1980. It's my favorite slasher of all time. Okay. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's brutal. It's really hard to watch. Um, just a killer with no motive. He, ha- I think it's a kind of hinted that he has schizophrenia a little bit. Um, and the story kind of like starts to unfold as 
you watch it, it's like turning the page, you know, you kind of like get like a deeper look into why he's so crazy, a traumatic past, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, the reason I like that movie so much too, is because a lot of the stuff that was shot was done illegally. Um, he like, there's a part, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but a guy gets his head blown off by a shotgun and they use a real shotgun, which is, was illegal to do. Like they use real bullets, real ammo, everything. And they shoot a prop head with a shotgun in a car next to an actress, like a, a real person mm-hmm. sitting next to him. And then, uh, it's all filmed in New York. And I read, I don't know if this is a rumor, but like the car was trashed after that scene and it's filmed next to a river. And apparently after they were done screening, they just dumped the car into the river which is just so crazy to me. Yeah. Just but, uh, throw away a whole car. All right. yeah, yeah. Just like the whole back backstory behind that is, is just crazy. But like, just for like a straightforward, like uh really gritty, like New York slasher, I would definitely say maniac. That's um, probably top 10 horror for me of all time. And uh, for more of like the supernatural, like conjuring style, um, it's not really talked about as much. It kind of has some weird, uh, like subject matter in, in it, and it kind of gets a little hard to watch. But uh, Amityville Horror Two, not the first one, the second one, The okay. Possession. Uh, when you watch that movie, you'll be like, okay, that's from The Conjuring. That's from The Conjuring. That's from, like he he takes James Wan takes so much from that movie. It's awesome because I love that movie, and like seeing it in theaters, I automatically picked up on it. But. Uh, yeah, that it's fucking terrifying for one. And it's, I just feel like it's not talked about enough, but definitely those two. Yeah. Like Amityville Horror 2. And, and if you haven't seen the original, you don't have to because it's a prequel. So it kind of tells you like why the house was possessed. Okay, for sure. Thank you. I'm, <clears throat> I'm definitely looking forward uh, to doing that. To, I actually start um, vacation from work today, so nice. I, I got a lot of free time. So I'm gonna definitely watch those two movies. I'm definitely down do to check have, this uh, out. Do you have Hulu? I do. Um, so there's another one I'll, I'll side mention. Do you like foreign movies at all? Uh, like uh, what kind of foreign movies? Like, do you ever watch any Korean movies? Yeah, like I, I'm damn for some subtitles or some dubbing. Yeah. yeah there's a movie called I saw the devil. I talk about this movie. Like I've, I've done another, I just did a interview with one of my friends. He talked, I'm doing like a monthly uh, review on movies for his website. It's called features of fright where I talk about uh, foreign horror movies. And I do like an article once a month. And the first one I did was this movie. Uh, I saw the devil. It's a Korean revenge movie. And uh, basically it's about a serial killer in Korea that kills a secret agent's wife that's pregnant. And this is all revealed in the first like two minutes of the movie. And the guy basically tracks him down, beats him to the point of like just about death. And then like stuffs his money or stuffs his pockets full of money and dumps him off in front of a hospital. And it's like this crazy, just like he does it like five or six times throughout the movie and just puts this guy through hell. But definitely watch that movie. It's, it's, it's has a misleading title but uh it's one of my favorite movies of all time and i I recommend like anytime i talk to movies talk about movies to someone i i bring this one up but yeah i saw the devil it's on it's on hulu i just watched it like two weeks ago 
Okay. And yeah. one thing that I'm curious about, um, somebody like you, who uh, you sound like really knowledgeable about these kinds of movies. Um, where do you find like new movies to watch? Cause it seems like, you know, a lot. Are you just yeah. constantly on like, are you on like a forum or are you, are you yeah. just like looking up trailers? Um, I try to avoid trailers as much as I can. Um, I use Reddit a lot for like, um, festival circuit talk and stuff like that. And like, I kind of just, I kind of just like see like, I mean, pretty much anything a 24 puts out, they did like, uh, midsummer, uh, hereditary stuff like that. Like I'll, I'll watch anything they put out horror or whatever. And it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you just kind of pick up from like, there's this fest in, uh, LA called beyond fest and they, they, they see movies early and, and put out pretty much everything they put out. I, I like, and then everything they screen, um, that's a good way to find out about new movies. Um, yeah, just like festival talk. I'll, I'll always go for independent movies before the big studio ones, but, um, yeah. And, and, and my interest in movies isn't even just horror. Like it's always my favorite, but I'll watch anything. Like it's, it's very all over the place for me. Like, uh, I'll watch, you know, a stupid slasher one night and then like a nineties comedy the next day. It's, I, I just love watching movies, but yeah. I don't know why, but I'm like a sucker for like recently Netflix has been doing like a string of, uh, just cheesy like rom-coms. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay. I'm like, Oh, they, they have a new one. And I'm just like, all right. I, I like, we'll put off like, um, responsibilities. I'm like, Oh, like I have to edit the podcast. I'm like, all right, I'll do it after I watch this like, <laughs> yeah. new rom-com. Cause like, I just, I've I, like fiend for them. It's funny. Um, yeah. Like I said, like even with like music I mentioned earlier, like my brain is like a sponge and like, I try to watch five movies I've never seen a week, which is crazy. But yeah, and that's just like at home, like mm-hmm. not even at work. And I'll typically do two screenings a week at work of movies that I have never seen. So that's a lot. Like I've always had this weird um, like commitment for movies because like because they're long. So like when you decide to you're actually going to watch a movie, you're like, all right, I'm going to be here for the next like hour and a half to you know two and a half hours, like however long the movie is. And sometimes it it's only like turned me off because I, I yeah, don't I don't want to like devote like you know that much time to something that I might not like. So I'm always like on the fence. Yeah, I I get that, and like I'm the same way, but with I can't do TV show like series. Okay. I, I don't know. Like I'll have some people like, Oh, but have you watched? I'm like, no, I just can't do it. I, for some reason, my, I can't stay. I can watch a three and a half hour movie of like just dialogue and then 10 minutes of action at the end and be like, that was amazing. But like a 10 part series, I don't know. I just can't invest in characters. Like I don't care that much, you know, like, I don't know, maybe just in my head that movies are, you know, they're there and then they're gone and they stick with you. But like, tune in next week. I just, I can't do it. What about series that are like finished where you can just like binge and kind of just go through it without having to wait? I can't, I don't know. I just don't care. I don't know why it makes me sound like an ass, but I just, I've never had the interest in doing that. Like I've seen the office once. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. That's something that like I've had, I've had to tell myself to, 
not to watch because I'm like, I'm paying this a monthly subscription. There's yeah. hundreds of TV shows or movies. Like, why am I just watching this one show constantly? So it's just like I, I uh, took a break from it and I tried watching other, like other things. But I definitely get where you're coming from because it, yeah, when I start something new, it, it takes me like a couple episodes just to remember everyone's names. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, and for me to like you know get attached, it's it, it's not like you know something that I really want to do these days just because I feel like there's not enough time in the day to do everything that I want to do. So like the last thing I want to do is sit and watch a TV show that doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, I get it. I will say though, um, always sunny. I've watched like 11 times, I think all the way through. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know why I know. I kind of just like contradicted everything I just said, but I love that show. <laughs> That's one show that I've never seen. I I have a buddy, really? named, uh, yeah, my, my buddy Garrett. He, he swears that I would love it, um, but I, I just I don't know why. I I just never took the plunge to starting it. Yeah, it's it's my favorite TV show, probably of all time, and it never gets old. And I always find something that I like about it. Okay. Like each time I rewatch it, it drives like people I've dated crazy because I'm like, a lot of people really like The Office, you know, and like that's what they want to watch, but. Uh, it's just always been always sunny for me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take that to heart since you don't really watch TV. So I, yeah. I'm going to uh, take some time on this vacation and, uh, you know, uh, check it out. Season nine, episode five, Mac day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll uh, take a mental you gotta note watch of it. it. <laughs> Has, uh, what's, what's his name from American pie? Uh, Stifler, what's what's the actor's name? I'm the worst when it comes to actors' names. I'm sorry. Well, that guy, he's he's in it. Okay. All right. Well, um, season nine, episode five. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll uh, definitely keep a note of that. Um, but uh, are you good on time? Because I know I've kept you. Uh, for yeah, I gotta I gotta get ready for work pretty soon. Okay. All right. Um, I, uh, just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, to come on the podcast, especially on the day of the record coming out. Cause I'm sure there's like a bunch of people who are probably trying to talk to you, um, and ask you questions about the record. It definitely means a lot to me. And I'm really stoked that you were really, um, into coming on the podcast. I, uh, always get nervous asking people that I don't know personally to come on just because yeah. I'm, I'm never sure like what their vibe is going to be, but I, I really appreciate you being down and um, having an awesome conversation so like I, I really appreciate it yeah for sure I mean uh, I love doing shit like this honestly um, but yeah it was fun it was really easy too like I just looked at the time I was like oh shit an hour and a half already went by <laughs> alright and um, I'm gonna um, edit and upload this so th th this will be up in like probably like an hour or two oh badass awesome damn yeah so Crazy. Th there it is, uh, October 25th, 2019, the release day of Hereafter by Vamakara. Check it out. It's on Spotify. Buy the record first. Buy it. Listen to it on vinyl before you listen to it on Spotify. Just kidding. But uh, <laughs> support physical media. <laughs> All right. And before we go, do you want to shout out anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, shout out Close Casket for putting out the record um shout out every movie is good podcast listen to that if you like like a podcast shout out joey and casey on there have you listened to that 
Yes, uh, Joey's actually coming so on the podcast. Good. I think oh like next God, week. Incredible. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Yeah, I love him. He's so awesome. Much. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, shout out them. Uh, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you guys have it. Thank you guys again for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top.